We are going to finish up our One Another series this morning. I, I hope that you have kind of enjoyed it. Um, and I've enjoyed kind of sharing with you on relationships, both relationships as far as marriage relationships and, and relationships with the Father and relationships with, with friends and co-workers and all those sort of things. So definitely glad that you've been a part of this with us. This morning we're going to kind of, kind of try to bring all this to a close and kind of try to put a bow kind of at the end of the... Uh, on the package as we kind of finish up this series, but let's pray and then we'll jump in. Father, we love you. Again, we thank you for this time. We ask that you would just speak through me now, Father, as we, as we understand that no matter how good we are at relationships, we can always do a little bit better. And Father, I pray that this, this time and this series, you will have helped us to be even better in our relationships. First and foremost, our relationship with you, our relationship, and then our relationship with one another in all the different ways that we have those relationships. We love you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. To kind of start this morning, I want to kind of tell you a little story. When I was younger, um, one of the things that, that I did was, or actually my mom did, was she uh, led the children's choir at uh, the church that I grew up at. And so one of the things that we would do is we'd sing songs and things of that nature. It was a typical, you know, kids' choir. And basically, uh, during the summer at times, she would uh, work with the children's pastor and they would travel to different churches uh, to, to sing and things like that, to minister. And, and so it was always a fun thing to do. Well, in the summer, we were going to take a really bigger trip and we were going to go to some churches that were down south from where I grew up in Kansas City uh, around the Branson area. And if you know anything about Branson, um, Branson's quite a place. I mean, there's a lot of fun things to do, but one of the things that, that we got to do while we were there is we went to a place called Whitewater, okay? Now, Whitewater was a, a large water park. Now, I'm not really a big water guy, you know, but when you're eight years old and you have the opportunity to go to a water park, you, you get on that thing, okay? And it was the first water park I had ever been to. And they had water slides and a wave pool and all these things. And, and I will say this, this really has nothing to do with the story, except I was there. Um, I'd never been to one before. And so I was like, oh, this is going to be great. And I didn't really feel the need that I should waste my time with something as trivial as sunscreen, Okay. Um, and so we were there all day, and of course my mom and others are like, hey, you got to wear sunscreen. I'm like, all right, whatever, you know, I'm driving it on. Well, I had never been to one of these places before. You run around barefoot. I completely forgot that it would be a good idea to put sunscreen on the top of my feet. Don't laugh. I still have scars from this. I mean, and, and I was like, oh, this is fine. I mean, and all of a sudden, like, I came home, or not come, we went back to the hotel, and I was like, why do my feet feel like I'm standing in fire, you know? And I literally burned the top of my feet so bad I could barely wear socks. I mean, it was horrible, but that's not what the story's about. Anyway, it was bad. Anyway, so we were there, and, and so I'm wanting to do the slides and the wave pool, and there was this one thing that I kept going past, and I noticed something about it. The, the people in this particular thing were not around my age. In fact, as an eight-year-old, basically, okay? In fact, they were pretty much more around my age now. And I would go past and I'm like, Why are, what, are, what is this thing? What are these people doing? There's no kids. It must not be fun, you know? And so I would go off and run some more slides or, or whatever. Well, finally, I said, you know, I want to figure out what this thing is. 
And so I stepped into it. And the next thing I knew, all of a sudden, I was being pulled around this circle. And I, I was just, I, I, and, and what I've called it, I don't know if it is this now, but I've just always called these lazy rivers. Do you know what these are? They're basically, you get in and the current just takes you around. And I know, I said, that's why all these old people are in this thing, you know, because it's boring and you don't have to do anything. I mean, that was my thought as an eight-year-old. And I remember just sitting there and, and I remember like lying there and just kind of floating and just kind of being, you know, I was one of those annoying kids that'd be like bump into you and then blame you, you know? So I'm just sitting there just floating around. I was like, man, this is just kind of just, just kind of takes you around. It's nice and easy. It, it, it's funny because you don't have to do anything. You just sit there and you just float. And everybody had those little tubes, you know, and they're just going around. Moms are sitting there talking with each other, going, I'm so glad our kids are someplace else right now. You know, that type of discussion, except for the one, you know, crazy kid who's sitting there just getting in everybody's way. But you just kind of drift around. You don't have to fight it. You don't have to do anything. You just kind of sit there and just let the current take you where it goes. And as we kind of close this, this series on one another, I've noticed something. Like, like right now, as we're talking about relationships, as we're kind of in the middle of it, like, like we're, we're kind of focused on them, we're looking at them. But here's the thing. In about two or three months, maybe less, maybe more, you're going to find that in your relationships, it's going to become very easy to just simply drift. Just to simply let the current take you where the current happens to be flowing at that time. And here's the thing. You don't have to do anything. You don't have to, you, you just kind of let it take you where it goes. And the problem with that is, if we can be honest, if we're kind of left to our own devices, if we're kind of left to our own situations, we tend to drift in ways that usually can destroy or really affect, in a negative sense, our relationships. So this morning, as we kind of look at this, and this is kind of in your notes, we're going to start here, I want to talk about the drift that can occur in our relationships. Again, as we kind of bring this all to a close, I want to kind of, this, this message is for today, hear me here, but it's also for about three months from now to remember that there's things that can kind of drift and things that can kind of happen. Hebrews, the writer of Hebrews actually kind of warns us of this or keeps us aware of this. In Hebrews 2.1, this is what it says. It says, so we must listen very carefully, very carefully to the truth we have heard. Now, let me stop there for a second. Hopefully, the last three weeks, and hopefully today, we have, we have, took, we have looked, taken God's word and we have found truth as far as our relationship with God, our relationship with one another. We have taken these truths from Scripture. We've, we have to understand, and this is a wonderful thing, the best relationship book that has ever been written is the Bible. The best marriage book that has ever been written is the Bible. The best parenting book that has ever been written is the Bible. And these truths that we have learned from God's word are things that we need to remember. We need to listen very carefully to these truths we have heard. Or if we don't do that, we may drift away from it. Okay? A lot of times in relationships, we don't wake up in the morning and go, how can I ruin a relationship? How can I make this relationship bad? It just kind of happens. It's just kind of a drift, isn't it? 
I mean, I know we're talking about many different types of relationships, but a lot of times in the marriage types of relationships, we just kind of begin to drift apart. We kind of drift to our own things, and we've got to understand that we can't allow that to happen. We have to be very careful about those things because I want to focus this morning on one that I think is just so, just basically so enveloped our culture and our world that we have to understand it, we have to know about it, we have to look at it. Because here's the thing, I believe we can, we can have this, this, this situation if we're not careful and we begin to have this drifting to consumerism in our relationships. Now, I know that's a word that really doesn't necessarily, you know, you don't think about consumerism when it comes to relationships, but a lot of times if you look and you begin to see how the world does relationships, how the culture does relationships, uh, this idea of, of consumerism really fits. It becomes this mindset that basically, look, I'm going to get something out of this. I, I'm, if I put something into it, you're going to put something back to me. I'm going to get something. I demand something. I demand to be able to, to look at these things and you're going to take care of me first. You know, we have this idea or this, this concept of, of, of the customer is always right. We've always kind of heard that terminology. And unfortunately, we've kind of taken that mentality and allowed it to kind of get into our relationships to the point where we're always right. It's all about me and what I want and what my desires are and what I think is best in our relationships. And it can come so slowly and it can kind of just begin to drift into our relationships with one another. And instead of being what they need to be, instead of that, which we'll talk about in a minute, they become this, this kind of hybrid thing that isn't really what God's word has told us the relationships should be and that we should strive to have in our relationships with one another. You remember the first week and we looked at kind of these ideas of, of, the, of the flesh and of the spirit? Well, in a lot of ways, that spirit of consumerism, when you really go back, and I invite you to go back and if you didn't see that first week or you didn't keep those notes, you know, go back and look at those things. Look at, look at that idea of the things that we choose. That consumerism thing really fits a lot of those things and it can just kind of drift into our relationships and it drifts in many different ways but I want to talk about two that I think are very important you see a consumer uh, when they focus in on that often drifts to become a complainer a consumer Ah, uh, sometimes drifts to that idea of being a complainer. How does that work? How do we see that? You know, it's, it's, it's kind of sad that I kind of joked about it a little bit when I was talking about being on the, the, the lazy river. You know, what, what, what did I say the moms were doing, basically? They're basically complaining about their kids. I'm so glad that I have a break from my kids. Now listen, I, I have a kid. I understand that sometimes you need a break. I'm not, I'm not trying to throw rocks at anybody here, but, but you see how easy it can become? How easy it can become that, that, that a bunch of people kind of get together and they complain about their boss or they complain about their friend or they complain about their spouse. All the things they aren't. You see, what complainers do is they tend to focus in on the imperfections of people at the expense of the things that they may actually do well. You see, if you're so busy finding what's wrong, you'll completely miss what's right. 
And I'll speak to me, okay? There's a lot of things about me in my relationship with Emily that I do wrong. There's a lot of things that I should do better. And if Emily only focuses in on those things, she will have a very hard time also being able to say, you know, he, he, he isn't that bad. But complainers can miss that. Complainers can miss that. Look what it says in Philippians 2, 14 through 15. It says, do everything without complaining or arguing so that no one can criticize you. Live clean, innocent lives as children of God, shining like bright light in a world full of crooked and perverse people. Isn't it interesting here that basically Paul, who writing to this church, basically is saying, hey, listen, stop arguing, stop complaining. And he's saying because of that, when we do that, we have a problem. We're not living clean. We're not living innocent lives. We're not lights that are shining brightly. Do you realize that that type of lifestyle, that complaining lifestyle, takes your light of Jesus and kind of brings it closer and makes it less effective? I mean, I can talk many times about experiences I've had, experiences that you and others have told me about how where you've been at work or you've been at school and everybody else was complaining, but you chose not to. And in that moment, your light shone very brightly. But at the same time, a lot of us, when we begin that type of mentality, when we drift towards that place, our lights become a little more dim. And listen, when you look at our world, we don't need dim lights. We need some lights that are going to shine brightly because our world is full of crooked and perverse things and people. But when we complain, when we allow those things to, to kind of come in, we have a problem. The next thing, a consumer mentality typically takes the position of selfless or selfishness. It's all about me. It's all about what I get. It's all about my needs. It's all about me. And we just begin to take that mentality. Everything we see, it's kind of, I, I've said this kind of before, it's like we kind of put on like these sunglasses of selfishness. And so everything we see goes through that lens of me first. It's, it's, it's what I need. It's what I, I like. It's my desires, my situations. It's my things. Have you ever met somebody that, that like, you know, they come to you and they're like, hey, you know, I, I, I want to talk to you about this. And you're like, oh, really? I, I'm going through a hard time right now. Well, listen, and they basically say this through their words and their actions. I don't really care about what you're going through right now. Focus on me. Focus on me. <laughs> Yeah, let's talk about what I'm going through. I have a hangnail and the other person's like got cancer. You know what I mean? It's like that type of situation. But it's all about me. Listen, it can, we can drift in this so easily. We can drift in from a place where we need to be in our relationships to a complainer and a selfish individual. It's so easy. Again, I don't think a lot of people wake up in the morning and say, I think I'll be selfish today. Yes, that sounds like a wonderful thing. But we drift. We get in that river, if that will make sense, and we just are taken along that current. And I think that we have to be aware of that. But I think not only can we drift the wrong way, thankfully, we can also drift 
the way that God's Word would want us to, the way God's Word tells us to have relationships, the way the Word of God shows us these things. And here's how it becomes. See, we can also drift to be basically a contributor in our relationships. So we can either be a consumer or a contributor. Okay, a contributor is is an interesting situation because a contributor is someone obviously who's basically saying the opposite of consumer. Basically, the contributor is saying, listen, how can I pour in? How can I make a difference? How can I be there for you? And what typically happens is a contributor often drifts to become a complimenter. Okay, often drifts to become a complimenter. Now, here's the thing. As I was putting this together, I realized that there are two words that are basically the same thing, and they're both pronounced the same way as far as compliment, okay? I'm not speaking of a compliment as in basically, oh, don't you look very nice today? Although that's a good thing to do, and we should be willing to do that for people and give them compliments. But here, what the idea is, is this idea of basically completeness, this idea of adding something. It's basically, in my understanding, this idea of a beautiful partnership, You see, when we understand what God wants us to be in relationships, we begin to drift towards people and to situations and to relationships with one another that become relationships that are complementing one another. We help one another. We're there for one another. We sharpen one another. And so I think when we look at these things, we have to figure this out. Are we basically a complainer or are we a contributor? Are we a consumer or are we a complimenter? Are we bringing these things into our relationships with one another? Look at Colossians 2. Colossians 2 verses 2 and 3. This is what it says. My goal is that they may be encouraged in heart and united in love so that they may have the full richness of complete understanding in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ, in whom all all are hidden, all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Paul here is saying, listen, my goal in my relationships with you is completeness. My goal is to encourage and to be united with you. My goal is to do things to basically come aside with you and make a difference in your life, but also for them to come and make a difference in his. Real simple question. And and, and when you look at your relationships... Are you a complimenter? Are you a complimenter? Are you someone who partners with people and takes relationships to another level? Because that's what we need to be drifting to. But also, we talked about the mentality of the consumer. The mentality of the contributor, they take the position of servant. They take the position of not how you can serve me, but how I can serve you. That's a completely different mindset. And listen, can you you hear me here? This is not a mindset that you can just magically have happen out of the blue. Oh my goodness, look at me, I'm a servant. This is a deliberate thing that we have to be involved in. We have to look at each other and our relationships with one another and say, how can I serve this person today? How can I 
be a contributor to their situation or life. Meaning, maybe, maybe they had a great day. How can I contribute with, to the, with their joy and their excitement? Maybe they're going through a hard time. How can I be a contributor to them in their sorrow? In their willingness, they're going through a hard time. How can I contribute? How can I be a part of helping them through that hard time? But here's the thing. If we're selfish, if we're consumers, we're only looking at ourselves, we're not going to be looking at others and being able to be a contributor. And we're going to begin to drift one way or another. Some of us, maybe after the service is over, we're going to begin to drift one way or another. For others of us, maybe it'll take us a while. But we're probably going to start drifting one way. And I want to warn you. I want you aware of these things. I want you to see these things. Because I think that in our relationships, sometimes they start really well. But we begin to drift if we're not careful. Here's the deal. This is on your notes. It's important that we catch this. When we break it down, the difference between a consumer and a contributor is simple. I like simple things. This is simple. The consumer focuses on what they get from the relationship and the contributor focuses on what they give in the relationship. It's pretty simple. You want to say, where are, where are we at? Where, where am I at in my relationship with one another? It's real simple. Make, make this kind of imaginary thing in your, your mind. Get yourself a scale in your mind, okay? You got one side with what you get and one side with what you give and you put it all on there, which side goes down and which side goes up. Now, here's what's great about biblical, God-honoring relationships. The more you give, the more you get. But I'll say this. If all you're focused in on is what you get, you will not get all that God has for you. One thing I love about our Jesus is whatever you think God wants to do or whatever you want God to do, God kind of smiles and goes, I got so much more for you than that. I mean, how cool is that? That our God, the creator of the universe, I mean, because I, listen, I don't know about you, I can think of some pretty cool stuff that I want God to do in my life. And God kind of sits there and just smiles and goes, oh, Aaron, oh, bless your heart. Do you have any idea what I want to do in you and through you? And that is every single one of us. We tend to think that to get what we need out of our relationships with God and with, with everybody else, that it, we gotta, to get it, we got to take it. we got to go after it. I, I need this. I want this. So I'm going to grab it, and it's going to be mine. And God just sits there and goes, oh, Aaron, if you would just give it all to me, I would bless you beyond measure. Pressed down, shaken together, running over but we tend to drift, don't we? We got to make sure number one is taken care of. And a lot of times when we do, when we're number one, things can kind of fall apart. So the question then becomes, how do we drift the direction that honors God in our interaction with one another? So what do we do about this? Like, we, we realize that it's easy to drift. We realize that we can drift the wrong way. How do we, how do we make that situation where we say, you know what, I am going to focus on my relationships and I'm going to focus on allowing them to, to drift in the right way? What do we need to do? Some application. And I've just come up with two that I think are very important. Well, let me rephrase that. They're vital. 
They're vital if we want to drift in the direction that God wants us to in our relationships. And the first one is really simple. We imitate Jesus. We imitate Jesus. Look at Ephesians 5, 1 through 2. This is what it says. Imitate God, therefore, in everything you do, because you are his dear children. Live a life filled with love, following the example of Christ. He loved us and offered himself as a sacrifice for us, a pleasing aroma to God. Imitate Jesus in your relationships. Imitate him. Find, think, think about how Jesus has handled situations. Listen, we have this amazing thing in Scripture, okay? We don't, listen, what the great thing about the Gospels is that although we don't have it all, I mean, John said if everything that was said, everything Jesus said and did was written down, there wouldn't be books enough to hold it all in. But the things we have, we see interactions with Jesus, with other people. I mean, you think about it, you know, the Gospels aren't just Jesus born, Jesus lived, Jesus died, Jesus rose, Jesus went up to be over the Father, the end. I mean, you know what, that would have been a lot easier to memorize. If, you know, it's like, look, I've memorized the whole book of Matthew. We get so much more. We get to see how Jesus interacted with people. Listen, this is a simple question, but a hard question. If I had a look at your life, or you looked at your own, and I look at mine, would I say, man, my interactions with one another look like Jesus and how he handled others? Because Jesus at times had some very difficult interactions with people. People that really loved him and people that really hated him. And that's what's great. We can't just say, oh, well, I know how to handle people that love me. We see how Jesus handled people that hated him, that were plotting to kill him. Imitate Jesus. Pray in your prayer. Be be a person of prayer that says, Jesus, how do I handle this interaction with one another? How do do I show them your love and and your concern? And how do I serve them like you have shown me to serve? Those types of questions are questions that if we want to go in the direction that God wants us in our relationships, we need to ask, I would almost say daily, am I imitating Jesus? Do my relationships, do my interactions with my spouse or my kids or my boss or or the waitress at the restaurant or whoever it may be, do I look more like me or do I look more like Jesus? Because here's the thing, and I've said it before and I will continue to say it, the world doesn't need another Aaron. They don't. I love you, you're awesome, but the world doesn't need another you. The world needs more Jesus. That is not only the hope, or or a hope, that's our only hope, is Jesus. This world needs more people who live their life and live out their relationships like Jesus did. And we have that in God's word. We can see how he handled those things and become like Jesus. Him. The second one sounds like the first one, but it's a little bit different. And that is, we become ambassadors of Jesus. We become ambassadors of Jesus. Look at 2 Corinthians 5.20. In 2 Corinthians 5.20, this is what it says. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal 
through us. Isn't that powerful? God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. For God made Christ who never sinned to be an offering for our sins so that we could be made right with God through Christ. So one is this idea of an imitating. It's, it's, it's this idea of how we, um, we're seeing how Jesus lived and imitating it. This other idea, this concept of an ambassador is that basically we are the spokesperson for God. We are sharing the message of God. What God has done in us, we are supposed to share. What that means is this. Listen, an ambassador represents somebody else. If you're a good ambassador, it isn't about what you want. It isn't about what you think is right. It's about representing the person that sent you. Unfortunately, in our world today, we have seen relationships and different things that basically people have stopped being Christ's ambassadors and they basically said, I'm really an ambassador for what I'm comfortable with or what I want to do. Yeah, I, yeah I'm, I'm a follower of Jesus. Yeah, that's great. That's fine. But you know what? I, I, I like this better. This sounds better. That's not what an ambassador is, folks. An ambassador says, Jesus, what do you think about this? And then I regurgitate what Jesus thinks, how Jesus lives, how Jesus saw things. And listen, sometimes that means that we're going to say some things that our culture and our world doesn't like. But if we're going to be an ambassador for Jesus, we're going to be willing to share those things, even the hard things, because they're truth. You see, what's great about being an ambassador for Jesus that is so much better than being an ambassador for a president or a king or anybody else is our Jesus is perfect. When we share and be an ambassador for him, we're proclaiming the truth and the freedom that comes from the message of God. So it's a situation where we say, oh my goodness, we get to share this amazing news. We get to be, as we saw here in 2 Corinthians, this idea of a spokesperson for God. This is what God has done in me. This is what God can do in you. Some of you have had relationships with God or others that have been kind of been difficult and not been, been easy, but God has restored. God has done amazing things. He wants you to be an ambassador to people about those things. He wants you to say, listen, I know it's hard right now. I know you've been going through something difficult, but you know what? God can heal. God can restore. God can bring back all those things that have been broken in my life. And if he can do it in my life, he can do it for yours. And he will. So it's more than just imitating, which is a great thing. But it's also this concept of an ambassador for Jesus is also if we can follow those things, if we can allow our lives to be, 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 be seen by those things, we're going to begin to see how we're, instead of drifting towards that idea of consumerism and that idea of selfishness in our relationships, we're going to actually become more like Jesus and in that concept become able to flow more with what the Spirit wants us to do. So let's, we're going to kind of close all this out. And, and I really have this question. It's in your notes. And and it's not just for today. It's really for the whole series. Really for the whole series. And and it's a simple question. I want you to think about it. What do you want to mark your relationships? 
And what do you mean? What do you mean when you say Mark? Real simple. I've got to put it kind of easy, rubber meets the road. When people are around you, or when people meet you, or you go over to their house and, 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 and whatever it might be, and, and, and people are in your presence and then they leave your presence, what do you want them to think and feel? What do you want to have your, you know, when, and I don't mean to get morbid here, but we're all going to face this. When one day you're in a, well, you're not. You're not in a box. You're with Jesus, but you're in a box. What do you want, if maybe it's me, what do you want me to say about you? What, we, what do you want me to say about your relationships? What marks them? When people think about you and, and, and your relationships with one another, your relationships with God, what marks it? What marks it? You see, because here's the thing. It's in your notes. Life is and can be marked by something or someone. How your life is marked will directly affect how we act, love, and connect with one another. You say, Aaron, bring this whole thing down for a landing. Bring the last four weeks down for a landing. What, 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 when you really, if there's one thing that I, that, that, that I got to get out of one another, what is it? And it's real simple. Let your relationships be marked by the love of Jesus. Let your relationships be marked with him. Not you. Not, not your ability to be nice. All those things, fine, great, dandy. But let your relationships be marked with Jesus and his love. Some of you know this, some of you don't. I know I've shared this before, but it's just, it just fits too well. Many of you know that, that my grandfather passed away several years ago, and I, I told you about his, his gravestone. He was in the war, World War II, and so he's, in, he's got the, the service member's tombstone, looks all the rest, but they got to, he got to choose something to put on his tombstone. And, and I'll be honest with you, sometimes, you know, and I don't mean to be a horrible person here, but I'm, I walk around uh, cemeteries and I read the headstones and, and I go, I wonder if that's true, you know? Devoted father, wonderful mother, what, and I'm like, is that right? I hope it's true. I know what his headstone says is true because I saw it because his life was marked by it. It simply says on his tombstone, after his name and his service and his years, it simply says he loved his Lord. My grandfather's life and his relationship was marked by the love of Jesus. You want your relationships to thrive? You want your relationships with one another, no matter who you have relationships to get to where God wants them to be, let them be marked by the love of Jesus. Listen, it isn't important about when somebody leaves your house to have them go, boy, boy, that was a nice house. Boy, did you see their TV? Boy, boy, they fed us a really good meal. Man, oh man. That is not what matters. What matters is when people leave your presence and they go, I felt the love of Jesus. 
And I don't know who, it doesn't matter who we are. It doesn't matter how much our relationships are marked by that thing. God wants to take us to a whole new level. Can you guys do me a favor? Let's close our eyes. Let's focus for a second. Because I really want us to take a moment, if the worship team wants to come on up, to really ask ourselves that question. I mean, yeah, we, we can talk about the consumerism and, and, and contributor and all those sort of things, and that's great, fine, and dandy. But really, I mean, this is, this is it right here. What are your relationships marked by? When people are around you. And here's the thing. Here's what I've learned about people that their relationships are marked by Jesus. It, it doesn't take long, you know, like... You just, you just, there's just something there. Like, it doesn't take 10 years to see Jesus. You see it pretty quick. Because that love, that spirit, the Holy Spirit, it just, it just flows out of them. So, can we be a little specific this morning? I know we've talked about one another. And I know this is going to hit different people in different places, and that's okay. But is your marriage marked by the love of Jesus? And you know, when I say the love of Jesus, I mean that, 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 that love that is serving, that is sacrificial. That love that says, I will make sure you're okay before I ever care about myself. Is your marriage marked by Jesus? How about this? Is your relationship with your children or your grandchildren or your, maybe, you're, maybe you're an aunt or an uncle with your nephews and, 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 and nieces, are those relationships marked by the love of Jesus? You know, grandparents, when your grandkids see you, do they just see somebody that's going to buy them a new toy or the new thing? Or do they see Christ's love shining through you onto them. Kids, teenagers, in your relationship with your parents or grandparents or whoever, is it marked by the love of Jesus? Do you respect and honor them the way God's word tells you to? Or do you roll your eyes constantly and just think that they're just so dumb? Look, I was a youth pastor for a long time. It's amazing how many 15-year-olds think they know everything. And I love you, but hear me here, you don't. And I'm not saying I do, but you don't. I don't either. Does your relationship with those people in your life, do they show Christ's love? How about your relationship with your friends? Is it only what they bring, you know? You get together for coffee and you spend an hour and 58 minutes of it is all about you. And there at the very end when you gotta go, it's, oh, so how are you? Good, okay, well, good, I gotta go. Are your relationships as friendships marked by Jesus' love? Do you get together with people not for what you can get, but what you can give because you wanna share Christ's love with them? How about employer, employee, no matter who you are in that spectrum? Do you show Christ's love? You know, it's real easy when you get the raise, you know. But do you do it when you have to work late? Or when you're not 
given the credit that you think you deserve, can you do it then? Employer, do you treat them like they really don't matter? They're replaceable. Or do you say, no, 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 there's so much value there because they're more than just an employee. They're made in the image of God. And I'm gonna treat them with the love and the dignity and the respect that they deserve. I'm gonna treat them with love. How about with your church? Do you walk into this place or, or wherever and, and, and you say, how, how can I bring forth what God's plan is for this place? How can I, how can I partner with what God is doing here? Or do you come in and just find all the things that are wrong? Look, this, this is just like every church that's ever been or ever will be until eternity. It's got problems, it's got issues, it's got things that aren't perfect. You know what's interesting is the Bible calls the church the bride of Christ. In a lot of ways to help us understand the church, us, we are Jesus' bride. And He is very, very aware of all our warts and problems. And yet, He will walk down the aisle with us. But yet we will look at ourselves as the church and complain and find issues and have problems. That's a really good example of seeing how Jesus, how we need to respond. Because Jesus says, Yo, look, I know you're not perfect. But you know what? I'll walk down the aisle with you. But in our world today, doesn't matter. Churches, this is wrong and that's wrong and I don't like this and I don't like that. Maybe it's time that we look at our lives and go, am I loving His church like He does? And here's the thing. I don't think in any of those areas people wake up and they decide, I'm going to drift towards the things that aren't good. But here's what I've learned. I learned it in that, that lazy river and I've learned it in my relationship with God. If I just decide to float, I will typically float to a, way, a place that I don't want to be. I have to be willing to say, nope, I'm going to have to fight and work to love like Jesus. I'm going to have to fight and work to be like Him and to drift towards what He has for me, my life, and all of my relationships with one another. And so for you, for me, maybe today is not a, it's not about guilt, it's not about shame, it's not, oh, I'm such a horrible person when it comes to relationships. No, 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 stop. It's about going, I'm realizing I'm drifting, Father, and I want to drift the right way. Will you help me? Will you help me? So if that's you right now, 
I just ask that you would just begin to pray. Listen, there's a lot of stuff that we've talked about over these weeks, a lot of different one another relationships. I'm not gonna take the time to go through every single one, but you know where you need God's help. So I just ask that you just call out to him. He will help you. He will be there for you. He will say, listen, I understand that you're in a situation here with a relationship that I can I can heal, I can restore. If you'll just come to me, I'll take you and we'll drift you the right way. But you've got to come to him. You've got to be willing to say, you know what, Father, in my relationships with one another, it isn't been going the way it needs to. But I know that you can help me. I know that you can restore. I know that you can fix the things that are broken in my life and in my relationships. Only you can do that, Father, so I come to you. So if that's you, just call out to him. Be specific. Say, God, I'm having trouble in my marriage. God, I'm having trouble with my boss. I'm having trouble with my kids. I'm having trouble with my church. Whatever it is, come to him with those things and allow him to do what only he can do in you and through you. Typically in this moment, John comes and he he leads us in worship and I ask you to stand. But right now, I'm not going to ask you to do that. I want you to just stay seated. I want you to pray. I want you to call out to God. And allow Him to fix these areas in our hearts and in our lives that need to be fixed. And then we'll come and I'll come back and close. John, go ahead and lead us. Thank you, Jesus. drifting a little bit the wrong way. Father, you you don't just sit there and you go, well, that's, I'm glad you realized what was going on. It's about time. You, you, you get engaged. You get involved. 
you, you, you say, all right, now, now let's begin to, to, to take these areas and let's begin to move and allow my Holy Spirit to just form and move in you and speak through you. And, and, and man, that's, that's an exciting place to be, folks. So it doesn't matter how good or how poor maybe if we took a snapshot right now of your relationships are. Our God is big enough and strong enough and wise enough to partner with you and allow some restoration to take place. Let some healing take place. Let some growth take place. Because I believe that no matter where we are in our relationships with one another, God has a new place for us to go, a new a new level for us to go. And I'm excited. I'm excited about your relationships with one another and how God is going to foster those and improve those and, and heal those. And I'm excited about how God's going to do that in my life too because I need it too. So Father, we love you. We thank you for this morning. We thank you for this series over the last month as we've, we've kind of focused in on relationships and one another and, and, and this idea of, 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 of life together. You created us this way. You created us to be in communion with each other and with you. And so, Father, as we look at our relationships, we ask that you would just take them to another level. And Father, over the next several weeks or several months, Father, I pray that you would make us keenly aware of the drifting that can tend to take place. Because we know that you want us to drift the way you want us to drift and not towards what the world say, sees and, and, and wants for our relationships. We love you. We thank you. You're so good. We love you so much. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, listen, thanks so much for being here. Remember, next week is our potluck and business meeting. Don't forget to sign up before you go. For those that are online, man, we love you. We miss you. We're hoping that you're doing well. I hope that you all have a wonderful week. Next week, we're going to start a brand new series. I'm really excited about it. It's called The Benefits. And I'm really excited to share that with you. I tell you where it's going to be taken out of, but I know how y'all would work. You'd go and you'd read it. And then I you know, wouldn't be able to share anything exciting or new. So I'm going to leave it there, but we're going to be doing that for the next couple weeks. And really excited about it. So hope that you can be a part of that. Be with us for those times. Have a great week and we'll see you soon.